and welcome to episode number 52 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down the big bets, the big news, everything that is going on in the sports wagering, DFS, and even a little bit of poker industry here. Brett, it is really getting into the heat of things here in the NBA playoffs, and fortunately we have Chris Sheridan joining us a little bit later to talk about everything that he thinks and actually a pretty shocking prediction coming from him. We have Ed Miller and Matthew Davidow who wrote a book called The uh, The Logic of Sports Betting. It is available for, you can pre-order it now on Amazon and it comes out in June. So we get to talk to those guys about this. So a double interview podcast here. What did we do to deserve this? I don't know, but it means less talking from me. So (laughs) I'm all for it. Let's go. Let's let's get this going. As always, guys, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. All the places that you listen to podcasts. So please go in and subscribe. Please give us some reviews and five stars and all the different things like that because we really appreciate it. And it does help us kind of climb the ladder there and helps people find the podcast and hopefully more people will start to listen to this thing. So it will be a uh, good for everyone involved here. Let's uh, let's kick off on something that wasn't good for everybody involved. And that is the Kentucky Derby this past week. Of course, we talked about this leading in last week. We talked to Fairway Jay about his thoughts. And of course, I fired fairly heavily. I bricked fairly heavily. I imagine there were a bunch of people who bricked fairly heavily with the results that came down here. Brett, of course, the Big news coming out of the Kentucky Derby before we talk about the actual numbers here is the fact that the uh, race time favorite actually finished the race first, (laughs) actually crossed the finish line before everybody else. But there was instant replay involved and he sure as hell got disqualified. So, so, so much money changing hands on that disqualification. Of course, it's paramutual, which doesn't mean betters quote-unquote lost the money the money was just redistributed to other people but uh brett nonetheless a very very interesting finish for the kentucky derby and certainly something that made its rounds around the all of the sports talk and everything for the last couple of days yeah so i was at a derby viewing party a quote-unquote derby viewing party at a distillery but they, they were not prepared for the actual viewing of the race so we had we had a picture we could watch the race but no sound So after the race ends, we're all just standing around wondering what the hell is going on. Uh, I'm trying to follow what's happening on Twitter. And after a few minutes, I just lost interest because my my exotic bets were all dead regardless. But, I mean, what what kind of a job do these horse racing stewards have with so much riding on that decision? And that – I mean, that could have gone either way, right? I think that made the right decision, but with tens of millions of dollars, maybe more switching hands on a judgment call, that was crazy. Yeah, 145 Kentucky Derbies, and this is the first disqualification of a winner. So you can see that it doesn't happen very often. And yeah, same. So I was at a place where... We couldn't hear. Well, I was in a sports book watching it where they did have sound. And then but when the race was over, obviously, I'm not thinking there's going to be any sort of disqualification or something. So we moved from the sports book over to a bar and we're in the bar. And then we see that it's like still on the television and we see people milling around, but there's no sound. And I'm like, oh, man, something might be going on. I had to take to the Twitter machine 
and I had to basically, you know, live live this out through the through the Twitter machine. So yeah, I didn't really get to take it in in real time either when it came down to to all of that. But again, it was they deemed that you know they they deemed that it was an infraction. And when you watch it back in slow motion, and Brett, neither neither one of us claimed to be big time horse racing guys. Neither one of us claimed to be experts at all when it comes to horse racing, but. When you watch it back in slow motion, I at least understood why there could have been a disqualification there. Yeah, unfortunately, like these are occurrences that can turn people off from gambling. And, you know, while instant replay is great in a lot of ways, you have to question whether it's it's good for all of these sports when it's a 50 50 judgment call and you're leaving it into the hands of officials in a booth. I think they made the right call, but. Man, so much money on the line there. That's it's a really tough, tough call there. If you're wondering if it's a popular thing for people to bet on, let me clear that up for you. Per Churchill Downs, the Derby set an all time record for handle with one hundred and sixty five point five million from all wagering sources. That is up 10 percent from last year's record handle of one hundred and forty nine point nine million on the Kentucky Derby. And Brett, this is one of those things where it falls at a perfect time of year. We're kind of in a bit of a lull when it comes to the sports calendar. People, if they're NBA betters, yeah, they're going to continue betting NBA. But, you know, regular season baseball, a lot of people don't really get into regular season baseball betting. They don't really understand it, don't really get into it all that much. And so this falls really, really, really good at this time of year. It's not, you know, it's sandwiched in between a couple of majors this year for golf. So there's no distraction from that aspect. And it's just a like you mentioned, you went to a viewing party. I went to a sports book. It was a giant party there. I actually met our good friend Eric Ramsey over at a sports book and we watched it together. It was a party atmosphere in there. I saw my friends on social media and things that were sending out pictures of them all getting together. And I think these big sporting events, especially with sports betting expanding across the United States, I think it's only going to continue to get bigger and bigger in the Kentucky Derby in particular, is going to really, really benefit from this because, I mean, again, up 10% from last year, I can see this number getting shattered maybe even for the next three or four years as we continue to see expansion. Yeah, it's funny because it's been legal in dozens of states for years, but I, I agree with you. I think just with the, you know, the how quickly sports betting itself is growing across the U.S. and, the, and you know, the recognition of it, people are understanding that, hey, you know, this I can I can do this legally. And it's it's a fun it, wherever you go to watch the Derby. It's a fun atmosphere. It's it's quick. Uh, your bets get paid out quickly if you hit. Um, it's just it's a really fun viewing experience. And unfortunately, I mean, you, you're right that it falls during a great time of the year. Unfortunately, uh, we will not have a triple crown winner this year because uh, the the winner has already dropped out of the Preakness. Yes, so that, country, that, that, country House, uh, who won at 65 to 1, has decided not to raise the first time in 23 years that a Kentucky Derby winner is not going to follow up and go after the Triple Crown here. Um, you know, listen, there's been a lot of horse safety stuff that's been going on here lately, and if they feel that he's not up to running the race, I guess who am I to sit here and say otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the Kentucky Derby here again, it was a 65 to one country house that took home. And if you were lucky enough 
to hit the trifecta, a $1 trifecta paid out over $11,000. Yes, that is correct. A $1 trifecta paid out over $11,000. Also at MGM over there, uh, this is coming from Patrick Everson at Covers. Talk to the guys over at MGM. A better made two identical superfectas. $4 a piece hit them after taxes won $80,000. Of course, a superfecta hitting uh, was just over fifty grand in this one. So after taxes, he did take home over $80,000 for hitting a superfecta. If you're not aware what a superfecta is, that is picking all four of the first four horses in order. So it is no small feat, especially in the Kentucky Derby when there's so many horses. It's such a big field there. And of course, he benefited from the disqualification as well. I would say this guy, other than the owner of the winner, other than the owner of the horse there, Brad, this particular person probably benefited the most. Imagine the sweat there during that instant replay. They were showing it over and over again for like 10 minutes. Imagine having that ticket and waiting for that announcement. I know. It was just absolutely crazy. I had a lot. I actually had all, I had the horses that finished. Uh, two, three, and four in that order, and I had them in that order. But uh, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't win any money if you pick the two, three, and four horse, Brett. You, you, you got to pick the, no. you got to pick the one that wins. So That's uh, right. yeah, no money for me. Tore up a bunch of tickets on Saturday, but it was worth it. It was fun, and again, uh, just a huge, huge atmosphere for all of that. Another big bet, big ticket, like we talk about each and every week on the show here. One better. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, $100 on a four-leg golf parlay. That won him $10,608. He bet on Patrick Reed, Brian Harmon, Jimmy Walker, and Vaughn Taylor. Steady old Vaughn Taylor. To win their round one groupings at the Wells Fargo. All of them hit and $100 into $10,000. 608 and Brett this just kind of goes a little bit further into what we've talked about several times with the golf betting um you know there is the outrights and of course we'll talk about the outrights whenever we preview big events and we will be doing that next week as we lead into the PGA but there are several several other ways to bet golf and one of the ways is to bet these groupings and even bet these groupings just in a single round because you can bet groupings for the entire length of the tournament for the duration of the tournament but this bet was just round one grouping bets and was able to turn his $100 into $10,000. So again, if if you guys are wondering how to do various golf bets and things, of course, head to the lines and head to play picks. And there will be explanations of how to go about doing all of that stuff. And, and, and certainly there's money to be made, as we see right here. Yeah, this is a fun way. I've never bet groupings before but this this seems like a fun way to do it you just follow the you know follow them from start to finish and uh if they happen to be on one of the featured groups you can watch it all the way through so yeah and one of the things these sports books have started to do a little bit more and you know the odds obviously aren't as favorable because you don't always get the guys that are evenly matched but they will try to make some groupings of guys that are actually playing together so that you can just follow an actual group out on the course. Right. And then you would be following your bet as well. I mean, of course, a lot of times these groupings are three or four of the top names within the field that are part of a group, but they've, they've started to do a little bit better with picking actual groups that are playing together. So as you're watching on TV, you're actually sweating the entire group that's going along, which again, 
really and truly does enhance the viewing experience. Yeah, that's the kind of grouping I would want to watch for sure. You are right about them grouping some of the better players together. But um, yeah, as, as we get closer to the ultimate goal of being able to watch all of these various groups on right on the app with all of the odds right there in front of you, that's that's what I'm looking forward to most. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we were able to catch up with Ed Miller and Matthew Davidow. They have written a book called The Logic of Sports Betting. It is available for pre-order right now on Amazon Kindle. It will be delivered uh, early June to you should you go ahead and do that. But we talked to the guys about what's in the book. It's really, really interesting stuff here. So here's a little bit of Ed and Matthew. Now joining us on the podcast, a couple of guys have a book coming out that we are very, very interested in getting our hands on, and you should be too. We have Ed Miller. You can find him on the Twitter machine, at Ed Miller Poker, written several, several books, and of course, the book we're going to talk about, as well as Matthew Davidow. You can find him on the Twitter machine, at Davidow Matthew. He's a former pro better, creator of several betting models, now turned author here. Guys, uh, thanks for joining us here to talk a little bit about the book that's coming out. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. The Logic of Sports Betting is the book. It is available now on Amazon Kindle here. Uh, let's start out a little bit just with y'all, y'all's backgrounds, essentially. I mean, Ed, I know a pretty extensive poker background for you. And then, Matthew, it seems like you came from the sports betting industry. I actually originally started in poker as well, which is actually how me and Ed first met many years ago and. I turned that into some sports betting, and then the last four years we've been focused on our modeling company and our particularly in running models. And now we decided the timing was right for a uh, for a book. Yeah, I actually I got back into sports a few years ago when DFS was going crazy and they had the ads everywhere on TV. And uh, I'd taken a look at it before and and kind of dismissed it, but I could see it was blowing up, so I got involved in it, and that's. Um, kind of how Matt and I connected again over the sports stuff. So it seems like you guys, obviously the poker industry was booming. And then you talk about DFS, the DFS industry was booming. And of course, here we are with sports betting. The repeal, Trying to ride, ride the waves, I guess. Yeah, the, re- <laughs> the repeal of PASPA and everything. So just tell us a little bit about the logic of sports betting, how the book came about and, and what someone can expect whenever they uh, order this thing, which they are going to do because they're listening to this podcast and we are telling you to get your hands on this book. Yeah, so, um, so kind of the concept for the book was that, um, you know, we kind of looked at what was out there, you know, as far as sports betting goes. And, you know, in my head, I kind of had like th- there's not really a good uh, a good book that outlines all the uh, the, the kind of the, the fundamentals of uh, how markets work, how the industry works. A lot of this news, I've been talking about it on Twitter. You know, a lot of a lot of this knowledge is news to people. And I kind of said, man, you know, all this this stuff about how the industry works, how lines get made. Um, you know, what you're betting into when you bet, you know, when, when you open a sports book app and you see all those lines, where do those numbers come from, you know, how sharp are they, you know, how, I, you know, all of that stuff I, I thought was really, you know, I would talk about it on Twitter and people would say, hey, that's interesting. And uh, that was kind of the inspiration for the book. It, it's funny. We actually started off writing a book on modeling, yeah. which, <laughs> which was super interesting. And I'm <laughs> sure all 60 people in the world interested in it would have bought it and really enjoyed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so we, we kind of pivoted from that. We kind of wrote half of that book, and we said, you know what, we think this is super interesting, but uh, <laughs> probably most people won't. So, uh, yeah, we pivoted. We said, well, what do, what do people actually want to know about sports betting? Uh, and, and, and this is what we came up with, the logic of sports betting. And so, you know, as I said, you know, the first part of the book is really kind of about the nuts and bolts of the industry. Where do these numbers come from? You know, which are, the, which are kind of the sharp numbers? That are that are really going to be hard to beat, you know. Versus which are the numbers that are made in kind of, uh, you know, I, I would say a little bit. But I mean, there's 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 hundreds of numbers. Let's put it this way: there's there's hundreds of numbers. If you open a sports betting app, you know, there's there's main point spreads, there's totals, there's half, you know, first half bets, spreads and totals. There's quarter bets, there's team props, there's player props, you know, there's in play bets, you know. And, and all these numbers get made in a different way. And some of them are easier to beat because of the way they're made, and some of them are harder to beat. So that's really what the first book part of the book is about. And then the second part uh, really has to do with the logic of working with markets. Talks about how sports betting is a multiplayer game. It's really, it really has a lot in common with poker, um, you know, where, you know, the, the, the line from Rounders where they say, you know, the first 30 minutes at the table, you have to find the sucker or else you're the sucker. You know, that's really very true in sports betting, too. In my mind, sports betting is by far the most interesting of the, the gambling games. There's, there's many, many facets, many, many concepts. It's, it's much more intriguing than, say, uh, blackjack, where the rules are very stagnant or even poker, where at, at least you know exactly what you're dealing with, what hands beat what hands, the, the cards that are coming, there's a, there's a math to it that doesn't exist in sports. And I find the uncertainty, the uncertainty factor of the math not existing in sports just fascinating. And we wanted to, to, to share some of that in an interesting way. Yeah, exactly. yeah. There's one really important lesson early in the book that a lot of bettors do not recognize, and that's that sports betting is not just you versus the house. You guys wrote in your book that sports betting is a multiplayer game where you are playing indirectly against other bettors. Explain what you mean by that and how uh, a novice sports better can understand and make use of that knowledge. Yeah, sure. So, so, you know, a lot of people, you know, they walk into a sports book, they see numbers on the board. They don't really think about how those numbers got there. They kind of think of it like it's a Sudoku puzzle, right? Like if they, if they just look through enough of the numbers and they pick out the ones that are off and they bet them, well, that's how you win. But that, that's really not how it works at all. And kind of behind the curtain is, is, is really a, a, a lot of people who are working, you know, against you to beat you. <laughs> so the, the first people who really are doing that, obviously, are the people who work for the sports books. So the sports books employees. Sports books employ um, from small sports books to very large sports books. They employ people called traders. They call them traders. Really, a trader's job, whatever they do, however they do it, is to um, try to make sure that all of their bet offers, you know, at any given time, uh, are not good. <laughs> they're trying to make sure that they're not offering you any good bets at any time. That's really their their job description. Uh, and every single one of those 300 numbers, if you bet it, you know, you're going to lose a little bit over time betting it. That's that's their job description. And that's really what they spend all day nine to five doing, you know. And so that's your first opponent. You have to kind of outwit that person, you know, and find the mistake they made. Now, now they're in charge of 
you know, three, 400 bets and you only have to find one. So that's kind of your advantage. Um, but then on top of that, there's, you know, dozens or hundreds of other people, other bettors who are trying to do the exact same thing. They're looking at the same sports books you're looking at. They're looking at the same numbers you're looking at. And they're also trying to find the mistakes. Everyone that makes a bet into the sports book, one thing that, that, that I think that people maybe don't quite see clearly is that the sports book sees every bet that comes in. So if somebody makes a bet, particularly if the person that makes a bet is a, is a winner, then the sports book sees, sees that bet and then has that information to use against the, against the next opponent. So if you take the, the Rockets are playing you know, Golden State tonight and – I, I made a I made a bet into a Nevada sports book. I bet plus six and a half on the Rockets. When I bet plus six and a half on the Rockets, the sports book moved their line to plus six. A next better may want to lay six on Golden State. While of course he's playing against the sports book, as the sports book's directly on the other side of the bet, he's somewhat playing against me because he's laying. He's he may have found that six on a different sports book. He may not have bet it if it was six and a half. But because I made a bet that caused the sports book to move the line from six and a half to six, he is now making his bet on Golden State minus six. So in, in many ways, he's playing against me. My money's on Houston, the Houston Rockets. His money's on Golden State. The, 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 the sports book, if, if in fact they took two bets, or more or less even on the game. There's so many people who just don't understand that how important all of that is. And it, the math of sports betting also super important. There's a lot of math in this book and in poker, there's a lot of talk about math versus field players and which are more successful. Uh, in this book, you talk a lot about math and building strategies around it. My question for you guys is, is it absolutely critical for a better to study the math and the odds in order to be successful? Or is it possible for someone to walk up to a window and just pick a side based on what they know about two teams without really diving into the odds? So, um, so we, we call it the book, the logic of sports betting, because to me, that's the key skill is a logic, right? I, of course you need some math, right? There's, you know, all of it's math, but the, the core skill is, can you think through all of these things logically? If you think, okay, if I'm betting, you know, if the line moved on the full game, what does that say about the, the first half total? You know, what does that say about the first quarter total that I'm looking at? What does that say about a prop that I'm looking at? What does that say about a futures market that I'm looking at? You know, that all this is related. If, we, if, if, if I'm making some statement about, you know, oh, the Rockets are going to win, you know, X percent of the time tonight, you know, through a betting line, then how do you carry that logically through the rest of the season? What does that say about the Rockets' chance of winning the title? You know, and, and, to me, that's the core skill, and and to be able to think through all this stuff logically. Now, I I don't think you have to you you don't have to. I think you need some facility with math to win at this. Um, I don't think you have to use machine learning models and you know have twenty seven million Python scripts running and you know and, and all that stuff to win. I think you can you can win with simpler math and logic and 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 some insight into the sport. I think that once you have an understanding, a, a basic understanding of how of, of, of what you're saying when you make a bet, i.e., 
how often your bet needs to win in order for it to be profitable versus the line or price you're betting at. Once you have that established, I, I don't think you need a lot more math than that. And I think when you talk about betting on a certain team, I think that's certainly a thing that can have merit. I think it often gets what often gets confused is that your reasoning for betting on a certain team, particularly if you don't understand the price or you're not you're not really paying attention to the price, it really needs to be a reason that's not likely already priced into the market. I think, for for instance, uh, Toronto played Philadelphia. The Sixers is an NBA game from Saturday. And maybe Sunday, I forget which whichever it is. Sunday, I suppose. And I, we don't have a pregame NBA model. I, I, I can't make an NBA pregame line, uh, math wise. Yet I watched the video. I, I read a little bit, and I was fairly sure that even though he was listed as doubtful, uh, the Toronto second best player, uh, Siakam, was likely to play. I used that information. I used that thought process to make a bet on Philadelphia. I didn't actually use any math. I mean, I used the math of I found the best price I could find to make my bet on, on oh, sorry, on Toronto, the team with the player, to bet on Toronto. But there was not really any math involved, and I think I made a profitable bet. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you guys mentioned a little bit earlier is something that is a pretty good point as well. When you talk about, you know, if there is anything that sports bettors can use as a quote unquote advantage over the sports books is the fact that the sports books have to book all the games where us as sports bettors can pick and choose as to what we bet. I mean, there is it, there there is times where you can look and you can feel like that you have a little bit uh, of an edge. And like you said right there, that was just an informational edge, right? And so I think that it's one of those things where, you know, you, you as a sports book, they do have to put out lines for all of the games where we don't have to bet all the lines. We can pick and choose and use some of this information to our advantage. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I would add, you know, not only are they putting out lines for every game, but now, especially because of the, you know, the landscape, and there's, you know, I don't know how many sports books these days in New Jersey, but, you know, it's in the teens now. And they're all looking for a competitive advantage over each other. They're all trying to build a brand. They're all saying, you know, come, come bet at our sports book. Here's why. And often the answer, often the thing that they, you know, kind of promote is, hey, you can bet on this cool prop market or you can bet on this cool, you know, derivative only at our sports book or you can bet on, you know, with a bet with this cool mechanic. And what that does is that we call it a tax surface in the book. What it does is it creates, well, that's yet another thing the sports book has to get right. You know what I mean? And, and, and the fact is that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for a sports book to say, hey, let's offer this market on every NBA game. And then someone's got to go price them. <laughs> you know, right. it's easy to say, hey, let's offer it. It's hard often, you know, to do the to do the work to really get it right. And so what I'm seeing today is I'm seeing a lot of opportunities, you know, in this competitive space, you know, where everyone's trying to one up each other, you know, to sneak in there and, and pick some stuff up. And, and as as states come into play that have mobile, I mean, look at New Jersey. There are how many operators that in New Jersey? I, I don't I can't even count. Anymore. There's many operators in New Jersey. They they're all offering, you know, in play and, and prop betting. And if you compare these different different places at different sports books, you can often take what is at only one sports book, say a five percent hold or like minus one ten on either side. And because you can play side A of, 
at one sports book and side B at another sports book, often the amount that you're the hold the 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 in between of the two prices that you're playing into is actually a lot less. And then if you combine that with a little logic, a little thinking, some things you get from the book, plus the bevy of marketing and bonus money that's out there now, I certainly think that anybody who puts any time into this in a mobile state should be able to win money for the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk parlays here. You guys say in the, you know, one of the popular statements that is circulating around sports betting industry is that parlays are for donkeys, parlays are for idiots, parlays are sucker bets. You guys in the book say, eh, not so fast when it comes to parlays. Yeah, I think, I think parlays are, are, are very misunderstood in that a, a parlay at its root, and again, I want to clarify that we're talking about like fair paying parlays. A parlay is just a, combi- is a combination of straight bets. And as good or bad as those straight bets may be, is as good or bad as the the, the parlay will end up it will end up being from a from a plus minus standpoint. Right. So I mean, let's just like look at the mechanics of how a parlay works, and I'll just simplify it. Let's say we're betting a three team parlay, and each of the bets you know pays even money. Well, and I, I bet a hundred dollars on it. So if I bet a hundred dollars, then the first game wins. Now I've got two hundred, and then the parlay says, okay, now I'm going to bet that two hundred. On the second game, okay, that wins. Now I've got 400. And the parlay says, okay, I'm going to bet that 400 on the last game. And now I've got 800 or I've got zero. So, so the, the, the bet, when you look at the ticket, the ticket says, you know, plus 700 on it, right? And the, the bet either resolves, you know, zero or 700. So the way people say that is they say, okay, well, let's just look at the hold, you know, on, on that as a single bet. You know, and that's how they, people say, oh, the whole percentage is so high, blah, blah. Well, but what's really going on is you haven't made one bet. You've made three bets. And not only have you made three bets, but the bets get increasingly large in size. The clearest example of, of, of this is, I mean, every week in the football season, there's a Sunday night or a Monday night game. And somebody posts on the Internet how they have a multi-team parlay that all of a sudden they're either going to win 50000 or win zero. Now, the original parlay ticket, of course, costs $100, but now that there's one game left and the answer is 50000 or zero, what is the volume of this wager? It's clearly not $100. Yeah, so that's a $25,000 bet they just made. They didn't now, mean to. Right, <laughs> right. And so, so that's the idea with parlays is, is they, don't, they don't really hold more. The whole percentage isn't 12%. I mean, it is if you, if you just look at it and say, you know, what percentage of that original $100 the customer laid down is the sportsbook going to win on average? Yeah, that answer is twelve percent. But, but really, what's happening behind the, the the scenes of that is is they're actually betting three times as much on average, and the whole percentage is really four percent on a, a three hundred dollars of volume. And and the reason why that's a critical distinction is because if it is is because if you can get that whole percentage on each of those individual bets down from 4% using techniques that we talk about in the book, using line shopping, using, you know, angles that you have, using whatever, then you can actually flip that whole percentage negative. And now that multiplier effect works in your favor. So there's really a lot of ways that you can cleverly exploit parlays um, to to turn that, that what looks like a really bad hold percentage to turn it into like a really good win percentage for the better. So I want to jump back a little bit here. Uh, you guys talked earlier about competition in New Jersey. I think one of the most important section of the book and one that I think was overlooked by a lot of casual sports bettors is taking advantage 
of sportsbook marketing, especially now with the industry ramping up across the U.S. and operators battling for market share. Uh, They're going to be competing for new users by offering various bonuses and promos. We see new ones every day at DraftKings and FanDuel and PointsBet. Uh, we saw this marketing strategy early in the online poker days, then in DFS. And now in sports betting, what advice can you give betters on how to maximize these bonuses being offered early early in the uh, the race here? So, so some of the ones I've seen uh, are odds boosts. Uh, to me, a lot of the odds boosts that I've seen make them just no-brainer bets. You just bet it. <laughs> if they take <laughs> if if they take a hundred dollars on it, you bet a hundred dollars on it. You know that. I mean, it's you know if they if they move the odds enough and and enough is you know five for the amount of the hold essentially, it becomes a you know just a, just free money. So so that's that's way one. <laughs> I think just keeping your eye open and making sure you're taking advantage of the offers when they come up is that it's actually the, yeah, yeah. I mean that's you know just being aware. The, the other thing I've seen is a lot of times the, the they're offering a lot of these like bad beat rebate type promotions where oh if you bet this game and then something bad you know and then your team is up by two runs or two goals or something and then they end up losing you know the bet pushes or you get the bet back in free bet or whatever. Well, to me, that would say, well, let's bet, let's bet the money line, right? Like if, if the offer is on the money line and then there's a point spread bet sitting next to it, well, I'm going to bet the money line bet because the money line bet takes advantage of the promotion. You can also kind of take that idea one step forward and maybe make a prediction about what games they might, you know, some of these have been retroactive where, you know, it, it's not promised to you when you make the bet, but, you know, after the game plays out, you know, the sports book says, oh, this this thing happened in the game. And so we want to, you know, rebate, you know, people who are on this side. Well, just kind of look in advance and think, well, what, you know, playoff games, you know, what what games they seem to be running these promotions on the most, you know, and kind of focus on those games. But even more simpler, just, I mean, sign up at the books, sign up at the books and the way that gets the bonus, then use our book or other good resources out there that can either help cut down the hold so that you're losing less as you're collecting the bonus, get the hold, you know, actually make your best profitable even better, or simply ways to take advantage of the way the, the which is something our book covers, take advantage of the way the promotion is set up so that you're losing the least of the book, using the least amount of your time and, and retaining the, the most of the bonus and marketing dollars. Like the one, uh, one example, one example from the book where I, I think most people, you know, not most people understand that if you get a bonus with a rollover, the faster, you know, the, if you try to lose the money, maybe you don't, they don't understand this. This is in the book. Trying to lose the money that you deposited into the sports book is the way to keep the most bonus. Assuming you're coin flipping, you don't, you know, you don't, because this, the sports, I'm explaining this poorly, Ed. Yeah. I mean, so, so there's a common type of the type of bonus where, Basically, it's a deposit bonus. You deposit $500, and they'll match your $500 in the account. So when you deposit $500, your account will say 1000 but there's a little bit of a string attached, and the string is that you have to roll over that deposit a certain number of times. So you have to bet, let's say it's a 10 times rollover. That means you're going to have to bet 10 times your bonus or $5,000 you know, before you're allowed to withdraw any of the bonus money. And um, this is I've always thought this was an interesting promotion because – the way a lot of people approach it, they say, okay, I got to roll it over 10 times. Let me just find the lowest variance bet I can bet. Let me just grind it out, you know, bet the, bet the 
but the game, each side of the game and just eat the hold or something. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of their thought process with it. And then I'll just grind it out. I'll get to my $5,000 and then I'll withdraw the money. Well, th there's kind of two reasons. I don't think that's a good way to approach it. One is th this a hundred percent, not what a sports book wants to see. So <laughs> if they see that you deposit $500, they give you 500 and then you just grind it out, betting against yourself, you know, to meet the requirement and withdraw at the moment you do, you're not going to get another bonus from them. You're going on the blacklist. You know, so that's the first reason I think it's not the best idea. The second is it actually doesn't make the most money on average. And on average, I'm talking about EV, expected value. I'm talking about if you don't look at this bonus, like this is the only time I'm going to run the bonus. You're like, well, I'm going to run a bunch of bonuses in my life. I, at the end of you know my bonus running, I want to have the most money. Well, that's actually not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is is kind of weirdly to to try to go broke because and the key idea is because it, it sounds crazy, but but the, the 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 sports book makes money again, assuming you're not finding winning bets on the hold. It makes money on the volume. If you bet five thousand dollars and they hold four percent, you know they're going to expect to win five thousand times four percent of your money. Well, if you can find a way to not have to bet the full five thousand and still keep the bonus and still keep the bonus or, or bet the bonus, then then that's to your advantage. And so the, what we recommend in the book is actually to take an extremely high variance approach. You know, try to find underdogs that are plus money, plus 200 is a good one. And bet the entire balance on a plus 200 underdog. So, you know, you got your $1,000, you found your plus 200 underdog, you just bet the whole shebang on the plus 200. You lose. Ask oh, for another bonus. So you lose, you ask for another bonus. You win, now you've got $3,000. You do it again. You find another plus two hundred. You bet the full three thousand on that. You lose. You ask for another bonus. You win. Now you've got nine thousand, and you've bet through four thousand of your five thousand dollar betting requirement. And if you do the math, and again we do the math in the book, on average, if you do this, you you end up with a huge savings because way be, further ahead. Right. You end up way further ahead on average because. And, and the reason is because you're often not meeting the whole rollover requirement. And the reason you're not meeting it is because you busted the account. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is, anyway. that is some interesting stuff. I think a lot of people will enjoy that section in the book for sure. Guys, the book is The Logic of Sports Betting. They are Ed Miller and Matthew David Al. You can find them on Twitter at Ed Miller Poker, at David Al. Matthew, guys, thanks so much for the time today. Again, the book is on pre-order right now. You can get it on uh, uh, Kindle. You can pre-order it. It will hit your account in June. The link will be in the description to this podcast, so you can click through right there as well. Uh, thanks so much for the time today, guys. Thank you all very much for having us on. Thank you very much. Brett, those are two guys that have obviously done a lot of research and have a lot more statistics and a lot more uh, case study things than you and I have because, man, half the time they were talking, I was like, man, I really got to concentrate <laughs> on what they're saying because I this is almost over my head here. Well, and that's why you got to read the book, too. I read it uh, the last two days. It, it really is. Uh, it, there's just so much good stuff in it, the math of, of all the various bets you can make and uh, things that you wouldn't normally think about as a casual sports better that can help you be a winner. So I'll, I highly recommend the, uh, checking that book out. Brett will put the link to where you can pre-order the book in the description to this podcast. So be sure and take a look there if you want to click on that and go ahead and get you a pre-order in on that thing. All right, Brett, we talk about, you know, how we are continuing to 
progress when it comes to legalized sports betting and how things are moving along here. And we have a couple of different ways that there are some pretty big news when it comes to leagues here and how they are going to go about this stuff here. First off, let's start with the XFL. The XFL signed a multi-year agreement with ESPN and Fox Sports to televise their games starting in 2020. The XFL games will air weekly on broadcast television. So this is not just on you know your cable stations here. We're talking ABC and Fox with also other games airing on ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, and FS2. The XFL's television schedule will have back-to-back games on Saturday and two games on Sunday afternoons. And the reason that we bring this up here, Brad, is because one of the things that we did not have with AAF, with AAF is the fact that they the very first week they were on broadcast television and then it went to like you had to get it on a streaming service and all these different if if the XFL is going to have games on ABC and Fox every single week as well as games on ESPN and ESPN2 and FS1 which all have massive reaches of course FS2's reach is a little bit smaller but you're certainly getting massive reach with ESPN ESPN2 and FS1 one there's a viability for this league to stick around and two there's actually viability for this league to actually be bet on because one of the complaints that I got especially from friends of mine around here that were talking about they're like you know one of the things that makes betting on games fun is being able to watch the games and sweat along with it and if you have to really go out of your way to find the games and you really have to go out of your way to try to sweat these things it takes a little bit of the luster off of it and and the fact that these are going to be basically just laid on a platter right in front of us here i think this is pretty pretty big for the xfl yeah this is huge of the of the xfl's 40 regular season and postseason games 24 will be on abc and fox that's a lot of eyeballs on major networks, and it's almost inescapable if you're flipping through your cable provider during the weekend. If they, like, there's going to be football on right around the time of the Super Bowl is when the season is going to start. People are going to at least check it out, much like they did during the AAF. And when you add betting and fantasy, you're increasing engagement and recurring viewers. Uh, we asked FanDuel and DraftKings this week if they're discussing plans to offer XFL betting and DFS markets. Both said there's nothing on the books yet, but given all the money backing this league versus what we saw happen in the AAF, I mean, there's just far less concern about the, the league failing before the end of the first year. And I think, you know, with, with all of this TV exposure, it, it could be it could be really successful. Now, Vince McMahon can do whatever he wants. It's his league. It's his money. He can do whatever he wants. However, he did cash out $500 million worth of WWE stock, which was a three-year runway for this league. And so... If he sticks to his guns and if he sticks to what he says, then, yeah, we are going to have at least three years of this league. Um, now, where that goes from there, who, who, who knows? But with these television deals here, I think that there is a real chance of sticking here. And one of the things that I think we can pretty much guarantee, of course, we don't have games for a year here, Brett. So there is going to be a sports gambling sports wagering casino whatever it might be deal done with the xfl and there might be multiple deals done with the xfl by the time the first kickoff happens for this league i mean we've already seen deals with the nba with the nhl with all these other leagues it is a near certainty that the xfl will strike some sort of deal with somebody yeah i think you're absolutely right the question is who 
Uh, we recently saw the uh, Arena, Fo- Arena Football League partner with DraftKings. So, I mean, th- these deals are happening, and uh, it, I mean, it, makes, it only makes sense as we expand sports betting here in the U.S. And as we continue to look at these kind of league deals and how this might go out, now not a league deal yet, but again, probably something that will happen down the line here. The Professional Fighters League, it is, uh, it's called the PFL for short. It is a rival, essentially, to the UFC. There's the UFC, there's Bellator, and there's PFL. The way the PFL differs from the other two is the PFL set up in a tournament-style bracket. The guys make their way through, and if you win out your bracket, you win a million dollars. And so that is kind of how they have set things up. They are launching a new app. It's going to come out. Uh, t- it came out on Wednesday today. It's going to bring live stream matches directly to consumers outside the U.S. and in the U.S., encouraging fans to make predictions on match outcomes as the league prepares for a move into sports betting later this year. The idea, according to PFL CEO Pete Murray, is that in-match gamification will increase engagement. He hopes this educates fans about the various ways they might be able to leverage available data to improve predictions on metrics such as which fighter will win, top strike speed in, in a particular match, etc. PFL's launching this as part of a broader strategy to move into real money wagering later this season. So sooner as opposed to later, the gamification component will be free to play at first, inviting users to participate in a range of trivia, polls, quizzes, custom pick stuff like that. Top-ranked fans will appear on a leaderboard and points can be used to win prizes such as merchandise tickets and experiences however murray does say that the pfl is putting the finishing touches on a sports betting plan and plans to make announcements during the regular season about activating real money wagering in the postseason that takes place in october of this year so here's yet another league that is not quite as well known brett but a league that is understanding that a way that they might be able to connect with fans is through these fans that are willing to bet on these uh, on on these fights and one of the things to note here the pfl has an investor with a big name that we know is behind gambling in ted leonsis he is one of the investors here in the pfl we know uh, i think you've written a couple different articles over at the lines about ted's thoughts on gambling and how he wants to kind of use utilize that with the teams that he owns and things and so it's no surprise to see the PFL kind of jumping head first into this. Yeah, and they've got a good model for it going here too, educating betters about educating uh, fighting fans about how to bet uh, leading up to uh, ultimately what looks like it could be a really uh, cool product with the you know being able to watch the match on the app while you can place bets on it. Um, seems like. I mean that that's that's what we're t- that's what we've been talking about for weeks. So I mean this this looks like a really really good uh, idea, and obviously having Leonces backing it is uh, I mean that's the guy you want. He's he has he's been pro betting since PASPA was repealed or repealed last year, and probably well before that as well. Yeah, and one of the other things to note here with this league, they do have a broadcast deal with ESPN, so this is like another way that they are good. They will be in front of a lot of eyeballs as well. So you'll be seeing the PFL on ESPN, ESPN Plus for their matches. And I actually think that fighting lends fairly well to betting, Brett. Of course, we've seen, of course, big boxing matches have always garnered you know, tons of betting action, and we've talked about the the big boxing matches as well. But one of the things about MMA in specific is there are a lot of fights on a particular card. And so even if you're not really tuning in at the beginning of the card, 
you can kind of tune in halfway through and still get action down because they're all individual fights. So you can, as long as you're getting some stuff in before the, the, the fight actually starts, then you can still bet on these cards. And according to what this is saying, they're looking at ways as, as even getting some in-match stuff going as well. Of course, if you if a fight makes it to, you know, after the fir- after each round, there's a full minute break between rounds. If these guys are really quick to get up numbers, I think you could see some some in-fight betting actually going on here with MMA. And I think MMA, especially the PFL, is being pretty smart and proactive here, understanding that sports betting could only bolster their product. Yeah, especially yeah, we, we, we talk about golf and, and baseball being great in play sports because of the breaks in between events. And, and Emma, you're right. Uh, you know, the, the fighting uh, is very similar in that, you know, they, you have the minute in between rounds where sports books can put lines up and, and betters will have enough time to place their bets and, and watch the odds move. So that's it completely lines up with what they're trying to do. Interesting, interesting moves with a couple of different leagues here for sure. And finally, uh, FanDuel. We talked about how when Tiger won, it was it was horrible for them, Brett. Um, oh, they lost over two million dollars with the promotion that if Tiger won, it didn't matter if you had Tiger in your DFS lineup or not. It did not matter if you had him. If uh, if you if you had zero percent Tiger Woods, it didn't matter. You were refunded your entry fee. Well, they are going to do it again. It is a three dollar hundred K guaranteed and a fifteen dollar 500k guaranteed so if you're wondering the liability here it's actually 1.2 million not 600,000 because not only will they have to refund all of the entry fees then they still have to pay out the people that won so this could be a 1.2 million dollar hit if Tiger is able to take it home yet again are you surprised in the least bit that FanDuel is running this back not really I mean because it's FanDuel I guess I'm not surprised but that man that that's it's a lot of risk here, really. I mean, 1.2 million after they just got, they took a beating at the Masters. I think they lost more than 3 million overall, like over a million from the sports books on the Tiger bets, uh, both pre-tournament and in play. And then obviously the refunds on the DFS site. Uh, this is this is pretty wild. So I mean, if if you are going to play uh, DFS for the PGA Championship, Fandle might be the place to go just in case Tiger wins, and he is the betting favorite. Yes, just in case he is going to win here. And speaking of the PGA, it is coming up. We will have a lot on that next week. Uh, Brett, real into golf. I'm pretty into golf myself. We'll try to get us a golf expert on here to talk a little bit about it as well. But just tons and tons and tons to bet on. They have already got up some Tiger props on some of the sites out there. So if you are looking for that, you will be able to find it. If you want to bet on it, of course, go to the lines.com, go to playpicks.com and take a look at all of our offers. Uh, Playpicks forward slash bonus has every one of our sportsbook offers actually on one on one handy dandy little page there for you. So you will be able to see every single thing on and in one fell swoop right there brett and uh you can you can do the the choosing but i'll tell you i mean it's really tough to beat our DraftKings offer where you get free money just for signing up yeah yeah you, you can't beat that and look if, if you do want to uh take a look at the tiger woods odds we just put up a new page at the lines it's com- totally dedicated to tiger woods odds in the upcoming majors and any, any specials you can find on DraftKings and fanduel and the other new jersey books so uh uh those are updated all the time. So uh, if, if you want to take a look at where the books are, are are looking at Tiger as far as the odds goes in, in the majors, that, that's that's the way to do it. And if you missed last week, 
this is the time for us to give a cheap plug to the redesign over at the lines.com. So yes. be sure and head over there. Take a look at everything. You will not even recognize the site. It is so, so, so much better. So be sure and head to the lines.com. As we mentioned, we were able to catch up with Chris Sheridan, NBA expert. You can find him on the Twitter machine, of course, at Sheridan Hoops. But lots of interesting thoughts right here. And Brett and I will certainly give our opinion after we talk to Chris. Joining us once again, NBA expert Chris Sheridan. You can find him on the Twitter at Sheridan Hoops. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time today. Absolutely, Matt. Glad to join you guys. So let's jump right into the NBA playoffs here. As we record this, the Warriors-Rockets series tied at two going into Wednesday's Game 5. Right now, the Warriors are around minus 260 to win the series. What are your... Give us your take on the series so far. I mean, Houston won at Oracle twice during the regular season. Can they do it again and take this to seven games? Well, they went seven games last year, fellas. And um, <laughs> Chris Paul was hurt in game six and seven, and James Harden tried to do too much in the fourth quarters of each of those games. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about the Golden State Warriors as defending champions. Um, you know, injuries play a big part in the playoffs, and you never know who's going to go down at what time. But you know, the interesting thing about the Golden State-Houston uh, series right now is it's gotten so chippy. Um, you know, guys are taking cheap shots. Um, there's blood on the floor. Um, you know, Chris Paul's getting ejected. Um, it's, you know, it's getting intense. And you've seen that in a, in a couple of the series um, where, where, you know, guys are coming up bleeding. And, um, and, and this is what makes the NBA playoffs great because as these series move along, um, they get personal. And, uh, and and when things get personal, things get exciting. And so, um, but to get back to the original point, yeah, I, I could see this thing going seven games. Absolutely, um, they're probably the two best teams left in the Western Conference. No disrespect to the Denver Nuggets, who are you know they finished second in the West and they and they took apart uh, Portland last night. But uh, you know when you talk about James Harden, Kevin Durant, um, and then each of their supporting casts, we probably got the two best teams in the West, you know, going at it in a, in a pretty good game five tonight. You talked about the, the physicality and the chippiness. If this series goes seven games, how vulnerable is the winner of this series in the next round? Well, everybody's always vulnerable and that's why you got to go. That's why you got to have a deep bench. Um, I, I remember covering a game seven in Boston, Boston against the Lakers and the Lakers didn't have, or excuse me, the Celtics, Doc Rivers didn't have a deep bench. And so what happened was Rasheed Wallace wasn't able to play in Game Seven, and out there on the fourth on the court in the fourth quarter for the Boston Celtics in Game Seven of the NBA Finals was Brian Scalabrini, who was about the twelfth man on the depth chart. So depth depth really matters. And um, it, in in the Golden State series, you know, Demarcus Cousins now they're saying he may come back, um, and, and that could be a difference maker in a Game Seven because uh, Cousins was playing so well for the uh, for the Warriors. You know, before he got hurt, but you got to have a lot of guys, and and you got to have guys that you can count on um, to to come through when when you might not otherwise expect it. And you know, for Houston, that may be a guy like like Aaron Gordon. For Golden State, that could be a guy like Andre Iguodala. You just never know, you know, who on the deep end of your bench is going to be a guy you're going to have to turn to in a moment of need. 
let's take a, take a look at the East here. It looks like, in you know, for all intents and purposes, that it's going to be the Bucks and Raptors. We're sitting here with the Bucks at plus three sixty five to win it all. The Raptors at plus seven fifty to win it all. First, your thoughts just on a Bucks Raptors series, and then your thoughts on whoever is able to prevail in that series, being able to challenge whoever comes out of the West. Well, I'm not counting out the Sixers just yet, although they, they got destroyed last night. And, you know, when Drake's doing the airplane thing instead of Joel Embiid doing the airplane thing, uh, you, you know, you're seeing quite a, a, a momentum swing. But um, the next game is in Philly, and, and, uh, and Philly's a well-coached team, and, and I expect a bounce-back game from them. I think when you look at the, at the two starting lineups, Philly's got the advantage. Um, the problem is there's only one basketball. And they got five good players, but only you know, only one guy can shoot it at a time. And uh, what we saw from Toronto last night was, you know, was pretty devastating. Kawhi Leonard is having the series of his life, and uh, you know whether or not that keeps him in Toronto or not remains to be seen. Those are questions to be answered in July, not here in May. But uh, let's let's say, for argument's sake, that it does come down to to Milwaukee, Toronto. Well, who's going to guard Giannis? And, and I, I think that's the biggest question. Can Pascal Siakam guard Giannis? Um, you know, Giannis is going to be the MVP. You know, James Harden's going to be second, and probably Jokic third, although Jokic doesn't get a lot of respect nationally. But uh, it, if you're looking at the Bucks and the Raptors, that's the number one thing you got to look at. Who guards Giannis? And then on the opposite end, uh, for the Bucks, who's going to guard Kawhi? Because with the way Kawhi is playing in these playoffs, um, He's pretty much unstoppable. He's he's been probably the most unstoppable player um, in the entire NBA playoffs. Uh, although Kevin Durant is it, you know is neck and neck with him in that category. So let's pretend that this season is over. We're looking ahead to 2020. Uh, Westgate Superbook already released futures for next year this week. You spoke with Jeff Sherman over there uh, about some of the numbers. What, what were your initial thoughts on some of these numbers? I know the Knicks was, was the big talk. They're 16 to 1. Uh, what did you think about some of the other numbers at the Westgate for 2020? Well, it was, it was interesting that they that the Westgate put up um, put up the odds the way they did, and Jeff told me they took one $1,800 bet on the, on the Lakers at 20 to 1 and one $700 bet on the, on the Spurs at uh, 60 to 1. And only one person took a, took a bet on the Knicks. At, at, I think it's at, up to two now. Odds. I think they got another one. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, that might have been Jim Dolan putting down some money. <laughs> um, but here's the thing with the Knicks: they have more cap space than any team in, in NBA history has ever had. And so when when they start looking at free agency options, um, you know, there's guys out there like Kevin Durant who has long been rumored to be headed to the Knicks. Kawhi Leonard spent all of last season when he was sitting out with the Spurs in New York playing ball in New York. So I could see the, uh, I could see the Knicks ending up with two max free agents and it could be Kevin Durant and it could be Kawhi Leonard. Um, look, Nikola Vucevic is a, is a free agent and, and nobody really talks about him and he, he, you know, he might end up in Orlando, but um, that's another guy you got to keep in mind. And, but all of this is going to be dictated by, where the Knicks finish in the draft lottery? Because if they get if they get the number one pick and they get Zion Williamson, that's going to impact what they do in free agency. They may not go after the guys who play the position that, that Zion's going to play. If they get John Morant in uh, in the draft lottery, well now they got to move Dennis Smith because even though they like Dennis Smith, 
if you got John Morant coming in as your point guard, you know, the next Russell Westbrook, you got to move Dennis Smith. And so uh, in, in terms of the Knicks, it's just a waiting game on, on the draft lottery to see where they're going to pick, and then you can get a better idea of, uh, of who they're going to try to um, fill in, you know, fill in the pieces around. Because um, if they drop all the way to number five, that's going to impact their thinking as well. So um, everything with the Knicks is contingent on where they finish in the draft lottery, and then they'll have a better idea of who they're going to pick, and and then you can ascertain a little bit better who they're going to go after in free agency. But uh, look, they, when you have the most cap room in NBA history, um, you have the chance to to turn a, the worst team in the NBA into a, a legitimate championship contender. And Knicks fans know this, and they bought into the program this year, um, and and they just want to see what happens in the draft lottery, and then it's going to be. You know, once the draft lottery goes by and uh, and then workouts start getting held and we move closer to free agency on July 1st, um, you're going to hear a lot more about who the Knicks might get and why. Before we let you out of here, this is the question everybody wants to know. As we sit here on Wednesday, May the 8th, who comes out of the East and who comes out of the West? Who is going to play for it all this year? Well, that's a great question. And I, just watching the Bucks and watching how well Giannis is playing, I got to go with the Bucks. Um, although the Raptors are looking looking pretty good because of the Kawhi Leonard factor, but I, you know I'm still not counting out the Sixers in that series. That thing might go seven. Um, and then you know from a rooting interest, I want to see Portland come out of the West because I like watching the Portland Trailblazers play. But they're running into an unstoppable force in in Nikola Jokic and um, and. And the fact that they lost Yusuf Nurkic to, to that broken leg, uh, that really hurt them because Jokic has taken Cantor apart. Um, so, you know, right now, pose that question to me, and I'm going to say it's going to be Milwaukee and Denver. Uh, and you're not going to hear that prediction from a lot of other people, but wow. I think Golden State, yeah, Golden State's got, got some issues, and, um, and Golden State can't guard Jokic either. Um, and uh, I, I think what people, what NBA fans are going to um, come to recognize over the next six weeks is what a terrific player Jokic is. Jalen Rose was on TV this morning saying, hey, I put him on my all-NBA first team, and everybody was yelling at me and said, why didn't you put Embiid on? And Jalen said, because Jokic is a better player. Um, Jokic plays under control, Embiid plays out of control. And when you get got a player who's as, as talented as Jokic is, even though he travels on every play, um, he, he's you know, you know he, he's tough to guard, and he's the only point center in the league. So, you asking me today on May eighth, who's going to be in the NBA Finals? My May eighth uh, prediction is Denver, Milwaukee. My rooting interest, though, is with Portland. Over at FanDuel, Bucks to beat the Nuggets in the finals, paying plus 2,500 if you went and made that bet today. He is Chris Sheridan. He is an NBA expert. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Sheridan Hoops, also at thelines.com and several other places. Chris, thanks for taking the time today, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the air. I appreciate it. Brett, look at Chris, like, throwing down the gauntlet here, making a prediction that I don't think I've heard anybody made. 
I don't think. Well, he he didn't give us a winner though. We forgot to ask who he's got winning at all. But uh, yeah, I did not expect. He's been a, he's been big on the Blazers. I know he's got a couple of Blazers futures. So uh, for him to to go with the Nuggets is is a little surprising. But uh, man, I mean, how can you argue with the way no with the way uh, uh, Jokic Jokic is playing? Yeah, I, I mean. The guy is just I've been on the Jokic train for a couple of years now, um, and this is not like tooting my own horn or anything. It was just one of the he was just so fun to watch. And I live out here on the West Coast and, you know, Denver's gets a little bit later start. And so I'm able to catch a lot of these Nuggets games. And it was just so fun to watch a big man play like he plays. And I I just love, love, love it. It's so good to see this guy you know, and all the success he's having right now. And that team is super, super fun to watch. I don't know if you guys are in on these NBA playoffs or not, but let me tell you the NBA playoffs right now are really, really, really good. And you are seeing some young players that are getting, I mean, absolutely spotlighted and highlighted and and shown for, for what they really are here. And especially in Jokic and Giannis, two guys that I mean, on this stage, on this big stage, Brett, have done nothing but step up and solidify that they are the superstars that we thought they were. Yeah, it'll be. It would be interesting to see those two go at it in the finals. Um, I don't think the NBA would would love that too much. I don't think that would get the great ratings that like a Warriors. Uh, I guess it would be. I guess Bucks. Bucks might be the big draw. Raptors might be a big draw too. But um, yeah, Nuggets would certainly be interesting in the NBA finals. They got to get through. A, pretty tough test there as we sit here on may the 8th over at FanDuel, you can get the warriors minus 125 to win it all bucks plus 380 rockets plus 500 raptors plus 700 nuggets plus 1800 76ers plus 4500 blazers plus 5500 and the celtics plus 7500 to take down the championship brett from what you've seen so far who do you who do you like? I mean, I know it's really hard not to say the Warriors, even though they are kind of in a dogfight right now. Yeah, I mean, if I'm picking a team to win, I, I'm still going with Golden State. But the Nuggets, the Nuggets are really interesting because of the slugfest going on the other side of the bracket. If that one goes seven, I think the Nuggets, if they can close this one out in six, uh, could could sneak up on the Warriors or the or the Rockets. I think they are definitely the sneakiest team left. And uh, I think, what, plus 1,800 right now? They were just plus 3,500 uh, a few few days ago. So um, if you've gotten that number, uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about it. People pretty happy with what they've seen from this Nuggets team. I w- I'm one of them. I mean, just been absolutely crushing it. Super, super fun. I hope you are watching the NBA playoffs head over to the lines.com. Of course, all of the news and updates and stuff that are going on within the industry, head over to play picks. You can find all of our picks articles from various experts across all of the sports that are going on right now. We'll be back next week to talk some PGA championship. We will talk everything else that's been going on in sports. We will know uh, what these East and West finals are going to look like by the time we talk next time. So it will be very interesting and fun to talk about all of the thing, these things, a special Thanks to Ed Miller, Matthew Davidow, and Chris Sheridan for joining us on this pod. And again, guys, we are on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on the Twitter machine at the Lions US, at PlayPix US, at Brett Colson, and at Matt Brown M2. For Brett, I am Matt. See you guys next week.